Number one, Star Wars. Number two, comics. Number three, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal. Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But they really all sold out. See it all together if you're with me now. Hey everybody, welcome back to Nerds Ruin Everything. I'm Logan. And I'm Adam. And uh, we're here to ruin Oppenheimer for you. I don't know how much we can ruin Oppenheimer. It's freaking history for you guys, but you know, uh, uh, you probably slept through that part of of history. I'm fairly certain you did. Um, But anywho, yes, we we are here to talk Oppenheimer. Um, it's funny you say the the history thing, yeah. Because uh, I went and saw it with Spencer, and uh, okay. I'm curious about your experience as well. Um, but uh, the, this telling tales outside of school, but I don't think she'll ever listen to this. Uh, Spencer's mother-in-law very mm-hmm. specifically asked him not to talk about the movie. Because she didn't want it spoiled for her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's that. That's cute. That's really cute. Like I'm. I, <laughs> that's very cute. Um, I don't even know what to say to that, man. Like I expect I, I expect a Zenial and below to say that kind of stuff, like a Gen Zer or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not expect that from somebody who could be my mother. Um, I honestly don't expect that from that that, that age group. Uh, I that's it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you heard me. I like that was my genuine reaction to that. <laughs> like, you telling me this 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 lady, like, who's like, you know, who is like, like you and I. I mean, we're we're we were nowhere near close. Like when we were born, it she was already there, at least like, at the, the tail end of it. <laughs> exactly. Oh. She was like like she was at the boom of like. Like my dad, like my dad was born in 50, right? So like he was, he was actually like, you know, he was literally plus or minus what, five years out from the bomb drop. So like he was around in the nuclear age, like the beginning of the nuclear age as she was, she, I like, you know, if, if she was born plus or minus five or 10 years, I mean, you know, I mean, the nuclear age kind of blossoms in 69 with our moon landing which is kind of hilarious that we're talking about the like like you know we're in this like stage like like we had two movies this year that talked about really pretty big like moments in american history like one the moon landing which was just a side thing in indiana jones but then this one where we're talking about uh you know the creation of that it's not just those two movies right because like uh you have Indiana Jones, you have Oppenheimer, you have um uh Asteroid City. Yep. And you and here like you'll hear me Barbie as well. Yeah. No, absolutely because Barbie deals with with the history of like art history. Like I know it sounds weird but it's like art like it's it's a it's a pop culture entity that has been around for 60 years and it and Barbie takes that 60 years of history and puts it into the uh, into the film in a very a very elegant and beautiful and soft way right like th- that that's the thing about Barbie right it's not inelegant um I feel like 
<laughs> and I know I'm going to get shit for this, but like Oppenheimer is the direct and a diametric opposite of that. Like it, it is. <laughs> it is blunt force trauma, but I think that something that like, and I know this sounds weird, but like with something with dealing with this kind of thing and this like you know, which is a biopic about a man crumbling, but but the only like like physically and mentally crumbling, but his but his reverence for like like his like his soul and what makes him tick and his morals never crumble; they stay like a statue. They don't change. It's just everything around him that crumbles. Um, and he stays the course, uh, which is such a weird blunt force trauma, like sort of way to approach uh, history. But at the same time, we're dealing with something like, you know, blunt, a nuclear weapon. Right. But it's also a little bit more than that. But uh, yeah, like it, it's like everything, like everything that Barbie is Oppenheimer isn't. And everything that Oppenheimer is, Barbie isn't. And it's weird, right? Like, people doing these weird-ass, like, the double feature, the Barbieheimer. Um, I don't know, man. Like, it's it's wild, like, like to think about it. Because, like, I did it two days before. Like, I did it a day. Like, I did it one day and then the next day. And, man, like, like it, it still, it weirds you out. It, like, puts you in this weird space. Because... I, I could do Oppenheimer first and then Barbie. Yes. I you don't know if I could do Barbie and then Oppenheimer. Yes, that I I'm absolutely 100% with you. But even then, like even with the day with that 24-hour period cycle for me, it was weird because it was like Oppenheimer was still kind of brewing and percolating and just trying to figure out what I thought about it and stuff because it's it says a lot without saying a lot which I find really interesting. Like I find, I find that interesting, but I like, I, I don't know if it grasped me right away. And that's why I kept on thinking about it was like trying to figure out what I thought about this. Um, to like, you know, and, but then like Barbie was so clear, like it's such a, it's like, it's like that opening moment when you watch the first part of the movie of Barbie. I know it sounds weird. We're talking about Barbie, but I mean, it, it you know, it has to, it has to be discussed because these two films are weirdly intrinsically, we, like, you know, we've, like, society has jammed these two together, whether we like it or not. But, like, from the moment, like, from the moment that Barbie comes on screen, like, the images of Barbie happen, there's this clarity and, like, astute understanding of what, what you're, like, the lightest of light touches when it comes to like how you approach things with film right where like i mean from the opening moment oppenheimer's like smack you in the face right yeah and then it goes and then it looks at you it's like righteous gemstones the with the the, the mast yeah <laughs> I, fucking, I just watched that episode i had to do a bit of a catch-up right so i watched that i watched that episode and the old man laughing made me laugh even more but it's like literally that's the oppenheimer is like literally the smack to the face at the beginning. Like he's already doing his stupid sound stuff at the beginning of the movie. And so it it's a different experience. It's like, it's literally like masculine feminine. So how, how did you watch? Like, was it, did you get to see it in IMAX, LIMAX? Um, IMAX 70 millimeter. Okay. So. Yeah, so it was, <laughs> it was an assault. 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you. It's, it was an assault. But I think that the, that he intended it to be an assault, right? Like, how did you guys see it? Like, did you see it IMAX, IMAX? Uh, we got to see it in regular IMAX, but uh, I'm, I'd have to look to be sure, but I'm almost 100% sure it's digital projection. Just oh. Action. So, oh, okay. Was it at a uh, science center? Because most uh, science centers are seventy millimeter. Like, um, like, it, yeah, it was at the Tennessee Aquarium. But I don't. I guess I should have asked him. It didn't look like you know how film has the that look. Mm-hmm. It yeah. didn't look like film, but I could be wrong. Huh. Let's take a look. Let's see. Um, because there's a bunch of things that you can actually check to verify. Um, uh, to verify that. Oh, yeah, I see. And then they've got the, the 3D. Yeah, Dune 2 is not coming coming soon to any fucking theater. Uh, you think it's going to get delayed? Oh, hell yeah, it's going to get delayed. Yeah. They're already talking summer summer 24. They're trying to find the right spot. I feel like it's going to be an April or May. Uh, an April or March movie. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, it's totally getting, um, uh, uh, it's totally getting delayed. What like after what happened with the last Dune, where they released they they literally should have just released it like the first part of December yeah, when it's totally uh, fucked it up. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm like, um, yeah, no, 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 no. Um, uh, actually. Uh, you are you actually are correct, and I'm actually wrong. Um, the the Tennessee Aquarium IMAX 3D theater is Chattanooga's largest screen. Um, uh, clear images produced by IMAX with laser with uh, with yeah. fill the screen. They're the two 4Ks, so you actually do get true IMAX digital, like because that's what it is. Yeah. It's two 4K yeah. monitors, um, so it's it's kind of lying. Uh, 8k but there's no 8k monitors outside of like there's like four places in the world that have true 8k monitors and they're all dobe adobe uh, vision and they're like there's one in shanghai i think there's one in la uh one in new york and then one in london like that's the only places that have 8ks because they're so freaking expensive like true 8k not like our four 8k monitors yeah. that they're coming out with so okay so you did see okay so you did see real imax like imax digital yeah is, yeah totally I'm, i mean it, it like it's been so long since i saw anything in real real imax that when we walked into the theater i felt <laughs> sick like yeah because if you're not used to seeing that screen and that assault yeah it is very like just overwhelming and like you're walking onto a balcony because the screen is so big yep. that like it, you know there's no front row seating <laughs> for an IMAX like no it's all back away um mm -hmm. so yeah it, it has been I mean god I don't know um I, I, me and Spencer were talking about this. I want to say, uh, not Fallout. What was the one before Fallout? Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol. Yeah, the, the yeah. Birth of I think that was the last uh, film I saw in IMAX because that that definitely made me sick. 
seeing oh. that. Well, yeah, th- that in, one in real IMAX. real IMAX. I was just like, I can't watch this. I, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I did get to see it in IMAX. It is, okay. uh, you're right. Like an assault is right, but uh, like not in a, I mean, like, in a bad way because you're you don't feel good watching this movie at no. any point in time. Are you no. ever like? Even, I don't know, maybe the staunchest of patriots would be like, yeah, the the Go America stuff. Like, that's all that's great. But, like, I and I'm not, like, you know, anti-patriotic or whatever. But, no. like, every bit of that in the movie feels accurate and right, but also made me feel so bad. <laughs> That's an Englishman for you, though, right? Like, like an American, like he's like, it's weird because I feel like Chris Nolan is the perfect person to make this movie. And I'm not, and like, you're right. Like you come you go into this movie and none of this is designed to make you feel good. Like, and I'm not talking like good as in, oh, great. I'm more talking about like good as in like, it's a very tricky, weird movie because he uses a lot of weird like audio and visual tricks and editing in a way that's like designed to be weaponized to give you anxiety in every turn. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it's wrong. Right. Like, 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 like it's interesting. Like I told you last week, like, I feel like Nolan because of his, his, like, I know people like love to say this dual citizenship or his two passports it gives him this weird perspective of being an American, but also being distanced enough to not be American, right? And he, it's like he's almost like the perfect person to make this story, right? Because it's it's level-headed enough to understand everything that happened during this this time. Like nobody wants to say that the greatest uh, that the greatest generations were shitty human beings, but if there's somebody that's going to say it, like that's the most subtle thing I think in the movie, even though it's not subtle at all. Like all you need. Well, I don't know that it's it's really even saying that they're shitty. It's just that like these people, like they felt like they you're right to do they had to do it right. Like everybody was, yeah, like. I think that the only part that really is like, there's a lot of weird, like the shittiness in- comes later, like after. Yes. The- yes. With the, the Robert Downey Jr. Character, the inquisit, like though it's weird because like, I felt like for the first time, his nonlinear editing was weaponized to like punch you in the face consistently. Like it's beautifully edited, right? Like I'm not going to take that away from it. Like it is supremely edited. It's like, Three, like I was, I was telling somebody, I was like, it's like Chris Nolan decided that he wanted to use the editing style of all the last star, all the Star Wars movies at the last third of it, where they take three different like sections Mm -hmm. of like action and then they combine it together with this like cross melding that's beautifully edited. He decided to take that style and make a three fucking hour movie like that. And it's, yeah. So, I was worried about the nonlinear editing. Be- mm-hmm. Like, the minute I understood what was going on, I was like, ah, c- come on, man. Like, you've done this before. 
to my opinion diminishing returns yes like you are in right. memento it's not it's necessary and brilliant and extremely yeah. useful and then like he's done it again several other times um yeah. at least twice right maybe well i mean times. at least three times tenant okay so like i haven't have seen it so i can't speak on okay Okay, so Tenet, it's got this wild editing stuff along with the, the inversion shit. Like, it just makes your brain hurt. Inception. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And Inception, then, um, it works okay. Um, yeah. Like I said, Tenet, I haven't seen. And then I um, I don't think it works in, uh, whatchamacallit. Which one? Uh, the Matthew McConaughey one. Oh, uh, yeah, no, um, uh, everybody's, like, everybody's favorite Letterboxd movie, um, shit, uh, uh, Interstellar. Um, Interstellar is, like, a weird film that I have, like, a weird relationship with, um, it, it, like, I, I will say this much, like, there are certain sections of that film that soar, like, the, the section on the planet, like, soars. In that movie is great. Yeah. (laughs) As a whole, I, I, I. Oh, yeah. I, I know I'm in the minority, um, but as, as a whole, I, I just, I don't think it's, I, I don't, it's just not yeah, his, it, his best work. No, it uh, isn't. It doesn't, it doesn't work because a lot of the cat, like for me, the casting is what does yeah. it. It's like, Jesus Christ, you like, I understand we were in the reconnaissance, but I'm going to get, I'm going to say this, like Interstellar would have been like, I don't know, 20 times the movie it was if he had gotten Bale or Jackman or uh, Guy Pierce or somebody else that wasn't McConaughey because I don't know if tonally it works with him. Like I can see McConaughey as a, as an astronaut, but like, it's like cowboy astronaut, not serious well, saving the. <laughs> look at, look at something like the Martian with yeah. Matt Damon. And like it's Matt just Damon. like, mm, yeah, Matt Damon's such a good actor, man. Um, yeah. Damon here is great, but oh, going yeah. back to the the editing, yeah, this is the best he's had since Memento. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, a hundred percent. Like there's it works in this so well for the story, right? man. <laughs> <laughs> like like uh, okay, like like we have to like talk about how like it comments on itself. So that's why like. Honestly, I've I've been really thinking about this, and it's weird because the way that he edits things, if you're if you start thinking about it and you start like deconstructing it, it it becomes even more of a flower, like it blossoms into this weird, wonderful flower. Because like my thoughts on it are like every time there's something very patriotic, he cuts to he undercuts it, like severely undercuts it with this. With with the the like you know with the it's not even like like it's a witch hunt but it's not even a witch hunt it's a it's it's his getting his classified credentials re credentialed like this whole thing with um Jason uh, Jason Miller and uh, Tony Goldwyn um and then a uh, mate did you like okay this is how deep the cast is we haven't even got we won't we'll get to the cast in a minute but I mean we can Megan Blair fuck oh yeah the whole fucking episode. movie. Talking about the cast of this movie. Megan Blair is in this fucking movie. 
Yeah. How did he get making? How did how did he fucking know Jeremy Solinger's movies? Like I like I have so many questions about Chris Nolan now just because of the casting. Because you're like, oh, so that means that he watches this movie. I just thought that Chris Nolan put his put his like you know put himself in a like a dunk tank like a a non-sensory dunk tank until he's ready to make his next film inside of his fucking head like this kind of this movie kind of proves to me that he's actually human i know that sounds weird but there's a lot of weird stuff in here where he's kind of do you feel like this is chris nolan going this is me like i got my ticket and this is the like this is like this is me as a person this is how i feel about things in the world I mean, yeah, it's also like, so, all right. So, I I know this was already in the works when uh, Tenet was was coming out. Yeah, but, like there was such a backlash on Tenet, and again, haven't seen it. Well, I'll catch up to it eventually. But <laughs> and he got so fucked over with it. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, maybe he should have like pulled back and been like nope we're just gonna hold off but he was so gung-ho and i mean he kind of shot himself in the foot um he really did <laughs> i'm that, sorry i'm not laughing but yeah you know. uh, um he was just so sure of himself but it this also feels like a no i can still do this and not only can i still do this i can make movies like hollywood used to make yes. i mean this the, it sounds weird to talk about it but like if you go back like to the 60s um 70s like there were these like one not once in a lifetime but just once in a while movies where it's like everybody's in this fucking movie yep everybody nuremberg like it really feels like like judgment at nuremberg like like I remember seeing, like my my grandfather loved that fucking movie, and that is just stacked with the cast. Um, Isn't something like the greatest story ever told? Where it's oh, just yeah. like, or uh, uh, what's the circus one? Um, oh, uh, um, the one Jimmy with uh, Char. Oh, Jimmy Stewart. Charlton Heston. Yeah, Jimmy Stewart, Charlton Heston. Uh, oh God, it's it's uh, what's his name? Uh, Sizzle Beat the Mill, right? Uh, yeah. Is it the greatest show? Uh yeah, I think that uh, greatest. Or, is that the what greatest showman? The greatest showman. Uh, let's see here. The greatest showman is the that, Hugh Jackman P.T. Barnum one, right? Um, goddamn, because he looks like like Chuck Heston again. Greatest looks show like, on uh, earth. Yeah, greatest. The greatest show, show on earth. earth. Yes, that's yeah. it. Because um, fucking Tony. I think isn't fucking Tony Curtis in that one? I think so. But or is it, that's what. Uh, I know Emmett Kelly's in it. He's a sad clown. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it's like, um, yeah, it's Jimmy Stewart. Uh, okay, so like, yeah, it's J Jimmy Stewart, Charlton Heston, Lawrence Tierney, um, uh, Dorothy Lamore, uh, Cornel Wilde, Betty Hutton. Like, it's an all-star cast. Right. Like, it's that. Um, that's those once in a lifetime. Uh, not, or not once in life, but just like once in a blue moon, like holy shit, like they're swinging big with this one, and yep. sometimes they hit, sometimes they don't. Um, I feel like, uh, and this is what I told Spencer walking out. I said, I feel like walking out of Oppenheimer. This is exactly how I felt when I walked out of Argo, 
because I think Argo is similar and that like, mm-hmm. oh, holy shit. He's just like calling in every favor he had because yep. there's so many people in this that are, are, are you know, just barely in it. Um, yep. And also I walked out going like, OK, well, barring some miracle, I just saw the movie that's going to sweep the Oscars. It totally is. This is his. This like he unintentionally, intentionally made like the Oscar movie, right? Like, like it, it, it isn't as crass as that. Like, I don't feel like this is. Like, it's not as it, baity as Argo is. I exactly there. Ar- yeah. Argo very much felt like Affleck going like I'm gonna do all the things that I know will win me an Oscar. Exactly. <laughs> It, no, no, you're a hundred percent right. And uh, this one feels more like I want, like this is my next movie. Like it's not like, like I feel like for him it might be a palate cleanser because he was working in, he was working in genre so much. And this is still genre. Like it's weird because it feels like, like the movie feels like a three-hour thriller, even though we know the ending even though we know everything that happens, the way that it's constructed is like this thriller that's telling two stories about two different men at the same time. But then within that, it spiderwebs into not only their crossing of each other, but telling their own stories and them both being unreliable narrators. Um, And like showing like these two diametrically opposed like opinions about this one really big thing that has affected us all, right? Um, but it never feels like it, like I never feel like this is an Oscar bait. Like the, there's one moment that feels like an Oscar Beatty moment, which is is the Oscar Beatty, like <laughs> like Warren Beatty's son or something. But anywho, um, <laughs> it's the it's the Emily Blunt. This is going to be my scene. Um, in the Oscar, in the supporting actress Oscar, okay. uh, like I clip. agree with you, but that scene is so fucking good. It, it like the bootstrap one, the crying. Yes, that is great. Like, well, all of her scenes are great. Like, like we haven't even talked about like how, like, for the first time ever, I feel like sex scenes and nudity were actually a part of the story because of the payoff of it. Like, <laughs> I've. My God, dude, like I've never felt so skin crawlingly weird about seeing something happen. And but it being like the perfect weaponization of what happens when you when somebody's personal life is brought to light. Yeah, that doesn't want to be like it's so weird. Like you you watch that and it's like. Florence Pugh deserves an Oscar nomination just for being brave enough to trust Chris Nolan with the fact that he's like, you know, I have like one. You're going to be shirtless in this whole movie. In the whole movie. You're going to be nude. The entire movie. We're going to see all of your bits for like extended periods of time. Um, But you're going to have this amazing dialogue that no one's going to probably listen to because you're nude. But at the moment that they, at the moment, trust me when I say at the moment where your last nude scene comes up, I'm going to make everybody is, embarrassed about this. Yeah, it, it is such a like gut wrenching, just like, uh, like, I, you know, you feel bad about you. You feel bad for his wife. You feel bad about yourself. You, yep. you, just, you kind of just loathe him 
Um, it, yeah, it, it's so, it's so you're like weaponized is the per- perfect term. Um, like it, most of this movie is weaponized. Like I find it ironic that he made a movie about like, about like, <laughs> about like the weaponization of everything. Yeah. And the movie is a weapon itself. Like, like this is not a mo- like I'm genuinely surprised when I hear from certain people that they're like I'm gonna go see it again. I'm like really you're gonna go see it like in the next couple of weeks? Oh yeah, I'm gonna go see it again and again. I'm like what? I don't I don't I- know if I I could watch it like maybe a, like a year from now when somebody's like yeah I never got a chance to see that and they're like oh yeah. I'll watch it like I could sit down and watch it again. Um, but, it, but not I, with, I, not on. Repeat things in in inside of a month? Nah, I I don't know, man. Like, there's so much. Like, going back to Barbie, I do want to see Barbie again because, like, it's fun and funny. I feel like there's probably things that I missed, and also because it's sticking with me. But the opposite of that is, I don't want to see Oppenheimer because. Those things are staying with me and I kind of, I don't want them to like, I know that's yeah. like a bury my head in the sand and pretend this shit isn't happening kind of thing. But like, it's so, it, it's just upsetting. And, you know, I don't want to dwell in that. <laughs> no, you, nobody wants to dwell in, in like in, in a section of history that like, where everybody was cheering, like at this moment, like you could see the breaks. Like you could see, like, like it's weird to want, like, I wonder how much like so I heard that the way that it it turned out that he got interested in this is uh Chillian Murphy gave him the biography at which he ended up adapting. He ended up reading it, but then he ended up doing more about Benheimer. Um, like more research about Oppenheimer and finding out more about him and his life and like his thought processes. And uh, from everything that Nolan has said is that it aligned with a lot of like how he feels about the world. And it was very scary for him because it was like, you know, like, like it hit him how much of an eighties, like, like in the eighties, how much, how, how much we thought about this, like nuclear war and nuclear oblivion. Right. And how like it brought him back to those those days and it hit him really hard. And I can only imagine that this was compounded because from my what I understand, he's he read it in somewhere around 2015, 2016. And we all know what happened in 2016 and we all know where we went. And it doesn't feel like it. It definitely feels like a post. Like like in all the ways, it feels like a very post 2016 post like january 6th movie if you know what i mean like the 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 tensions of where we started breaking and started to like move away from like like it almost feels like it's it's a movie about like the banding together to to service a service a common enemy but but because humans are shitty we're already thinking about like the thing that was fascinating to me was was that we you could tell from the instant that he got together with the military um that they were already thinking about the Russians as an issue right 
and you could see the cracks and the separation and the way that people were already starting to think ahead in the chess game, right? And, and, and it's so interesting that, I mean, he very much paints Oppenheimer as, and I mean, I'm, I'm taking a lot of the movie as just factual, although I do mm-hmm. know there's some embellishments there, but like, yeah. This naive guy who so smart, but was so sure that like, hey, like this, this will end all wars because Mm -hmm. once we know the power of this, we will, we will back down. And, And so many people, including other scientists around him, were like, that's not what's going to happen, man. Even, well, like, no, and that's the brilliant part of the movie is because they withhold, like, I hate when Nolan does the withhold because it's an obvious withhold, but in this, the way that he withholds things is brilliant because it gets lost in how much he's doing. The movie is so complex and is, like, this thick thread, like, it's like rope. It's like, it's like naval rope, right? Like, you know, the rope that's built into rope that's built into rope. That's the way that the film feels. So, like, when you get something like, we don't hear what Einstein says to Oppenheimer until the end, which is devastating because he calls it, like, he's like, like, he's like a, he's like a specter into the future. He's like, you, you, you will, like, you know, it's like, you are in the position that I was in and you don't realize it yet. But you are going to you've given them you've given them the means to destroy themselves and you're to blame and you have to carry that responsibility. And it's like that wouldn't have worked if you did it at the beginning. It's only after you learn everything that when you hear that, you go, you it's your hubris. Like as much as like he he never blames Oppenheimer, but there's definitely a bunch of hubris there where you like you literally listen to him. He understood himself. That, yes. That like, okay, uh, while that Oppenheimer science had had far left Einstein behind, and and they all saw him as this like doddering old man who was just content to like walk down by the lake and like feed the ducks or something and just yeah. you know, talk about nonsense. What they didn't understand was that Einstein had realized that. Like he had begotten so many things that he'd never intended just by, you know, his just by existing and thinking what he had thought and putting it out there and like fueling this conversation that like he could see not just everything leaving, like just moving past him just the the end of the world at, at least as he knew it if not all together because hey you know I, it, what am i going to do with the rest of my days do, do i want to keep doing this or do i, I just want to try to find some kind of peace and you know reconcile this within myself and mm-hmm. and that's what he's doing you know yep. He's, you know, it, it, it's yeah. so, so interesting, you know, 
it is very much a like a parental thing where where it's like when and I know this is not everybody, but you know, when you're a kid and you're just like, my parents are idiots. They don't know anything. And, and but the thing is they are idiots. They don't know any, but like, then you become the adult and you're just like, Oh yeah. <laughs> like yeah, all I of those things I thought might have been true. It, like they probably were true, but they're also true about me. And I don't know any more about what's going on than anybody else. And like, you know, they have a very like parental relationship and Oppenheimer gets to Einstein's age and is just like, oh, well, shit. Like, you know, it doesn't even take that long for him to realize what he's done. But um, yeah, it's. Yeah. Oh, man. There's just so much in this freaking movie. His, uh, his, all of his relationships, like, just, they're, they're all so good and, and so unique and so different. And Nolan does such a good job of, like, presenting this dude as, like, a truly just, like, I want to be part of the conversation. Like, he, he is, he is very egotistical as well, but, yes. like, not uh like he keeps saying he's like i'm not I, I don't take i'm not taking anybody's side i'm here to listen to the conversation mm-hmm. no and it's like it's weird because it's like the way that like when you listen like it's weird because it's like chillian murphy looks nothing like oppenheimer he doesn't like when he but when you hear the Oppenheimer voice, like like if you listen to the like like there's audio recordings of him, um, man, does he get close to that voice? But it's not even in in the way that it sounds the right way. It's that he has the cadences, and that cadence is so interesting. Like the way that Chilean Murphy creates Oppenheimer, based off of like you know the script that Nolan has created, it's it's this wildly scientific like the way that they portray like and this goes to like a a larger conversation of like the way that they portray scientists in movies is so weird um oftentimes for me because i mean you know i i think that anybody like most people have met scientists i mean teachers are like science teachers are scientists like i don't care what you say like they may not be actively working on new things but there's definitely scientists they have the science i've known a few science teachers and while they are wildly intelligent, they 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 are very egotistical. They yes will not admit like when they're wrong. Like yep, it, it's it's I mean it's very much like doctors, like you know yeah. medical doctors. It's just at some point they just get this ego about them, and it's just like oh I'm not wrong, I'm never wrong. Like I studied the science. Uh, I, the one interesting thing I did, uh, like uh, the one thing I found maybe most interesting about Oppenheimer, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming it's true, is like his deficiencies. He was very quick to be like, like the math thing cracked mm-hmm. me up, man. Yeah. Every time he's like, I the fuck the math. <laughs> like I'm not yeah. doing the math. You do the math. <laughs> Absolutely. Here's like, like the like... theoretical part. I don't want to do the math. <laughs> Uh, that was 
that and then the fact that he was a cad, that he was a man who continually just slept with people, like slept with women. <laughs> I mean, so much so that there's a relationship that you find out about <laughs> so nonchalantly at the end of the movie that it's just like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, this some bitch is doing this? Okay. Like it, but it's like it's weird because it's not played for a joke. It's but it's so off the cuff, and you're so shocked by it that you're like, you have to laugh. Like it's a, it's a, like it's not a laughing matter, but it's kind of a laughing matter because everybody knows it. It's like the worst. It, it's weird because this film deals with subjectivity and objectivity in a very playful way, in a way that I never thought that that somebody like Christopher Nolan would do. Like. And a lot of that has to deal with like trick, like with the way that you you see somebody, right? And that's the way that, like, obviously he's like, you know, Nolan's one of our premier filmmakers in the world, right? Like he, like he, right now working, he's arguably with Bong Joon Ho and a couple of other people, like one of the preeminent filmmakers. So when he takes a subject on, you're going to get more than just a snack. You're going to get a meal, right? But what was interesting to me was how he played with the objectivity, subjectivity with Oppenheimer and what he chose to let you in to his mind on and what he chose to pull back on and not give you and let other people tell you about. Like, um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's a, it's playful in a weird way because the movie is so serious that you don't expect it to have these moments of, of like brevity in a way that I feel like he's calling out like the, the relationships he has with other scientists is fascinating to me because a lot of it is about counterpoints. And I'm not saying that that's a, it's a, it's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, That's not for me to decide. I mean, I just found it fascinating that each of the scientists he has a bit of a contentious relationship with like, like, uh, like Nils Bohr, right? Like, um, like uh played by Kenneth Branagh which is ama- like like Branagh is kind of amazing in this film because he just he comes in for two scenes like he's just literally in two scenes but his his magnitude is felt like just like um Einstein's like Tom Conti playing Einstein but then you've got guys like you got like Rami Malek showing up for like two scenes uh, okay but- yeah I wanted to bring that up earlier when Rami Malek shows up, man, <laughs> and you know what a fan of Rami Malek I am. Yeah. I was just like, I was floored. And then, like, he gets, I think in total, he's in, like, three scenes. Yes. Um, because you first see him in, like, the, the under the the uh, uh, football stadium. Uh, yes. Then you see him in that uh, lobby. Oh, the hotel. And, yep. and I was like, did they, did I mean, I understand even if you're Rami Malek, not that he's the biggest star in the world, but he did win an Oscar. Um, If Chris Nolan calls, you're probably just going to say yes. Um, But I'm like, did he catch Rami Malek in this movie to just have him be the dude that, like, even the scientists bully? (laughs) You know? Like, (laughs) I was like, this is so weird, man. I was like, I, I mean, and he's like... He's not the only, but then 
you get to that that it's not a court scene um (laughs) this isn't a trial and his testimony and it's just like oh that's why you cast (laughs) Rob. yeah well there's always like like these cameos are weapon again weaponized because you you give like Rami Malek does like you get Rami Malek because you want that scene to be perfect right and he's like he's amazing in that scene because like up until that point like he played like you said he plays the simp he plays the like he plays the guy that gets bullied right like if Oppenheimer smacks the 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 clipboard away from from a dude you know that he's a simp right like Oppenheimer's like like this guy who's like wishy-washy and he doesn't like 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 he'll let you talk whatever you want to talk but I mean, like, you know, like it, you get wrong now because you want him to have that kind of like internalized, physically internalized nature. Right. But. But, yeah, like you get like you get him in that moment and you give him that moment and he shines and it's so good. It's so good because he just sneaks under the radar. It's like it's like casting Casey Affleck. To be the creepy creepazoid. I mean. Dude. I mean, he's not like, I mean, like Academy Award, like I know, like we all know he's trouble, right? But you cast him because of the trouble, right? Because you instantly see him on screen. You go, oh man, Casey Affleck. And then he starts talking that stupid, weird mumble talking that he does. Uh-huh, so I'm just trying to understand him. What's going on? But between him and Dane DeHaan, like that moment is so like, it's the, like you need to know that at that moment, that is the that is the moment that his Oppenheimer's arrogance breaks things. And like between him, Matt Damon, like that. that it's scene, it, it's this combination of arrogance and naive, naivete, naivete. Where, yeah. where it's just like, you know, you're so arrogant that you think you can like pull one over on these guys, and mm-hmm. you're so naive you don't understand. Like, he thinks he's smarter than them, and he is. But, like, you're naive because you think you're so much smarter than them. Like, you told them you'd come back. They bugged the fucking room, dude. Like, you know, you just... It's such a weird combination of things that that wind up, you know, costing him. Um, Yes, yeah, I, uh, I I was surprised to see Casey Affleck, but also again, yeah, like you said, I know he's problematic. He is a damn good actor, though. He is like, like honestly, like watching him, I was like, this is the these are the kinds of roles that you want him in because it's so, it's so scarring. Like after that meeting, like and it, it like. I feel like I know that everybody's talking and we'll get to Downey because I mean, fuck, like, like talk about a showy, like there, like there's an absolute reason why Downey is so committed to like, like, you know, like the advertise, like the, the PR for this movie, like he, he made it a point to like, I didn't realize how much he pushed, but he did push. And I know why he did because like, like, you know, he's going to win his Oscar, but let's not even talk about him. Let's talk about the true MVP of this movie who like you know was in couples therapy and said the only reason why he would work again is if chris nolan called and chris nolan called matt damon like i didn't even think like like when i got out of the theater i was like you know 
I never say this, but Matt Damon's had a pretty God damn. <laughs> he, he fucking really has, man. Like watching him in this movie and him like allowing him, himself to be the grumpy old man that just wants nothing but the best for these people, but they can't get out of their way. He's like a dad. Like he's really like a dad with with a bunch of teenage teenagers that are talking shit. Like <laughs> it's funny because like again, it's the it almost feels like in a weird way he's like the John Goodman of the righteous <laughs> the righteous gemstones of yeah. Oppenheimer because he's sitting there and he makes frustration an art that you don't feel like any other person in that role in that uh in in that general role and you're rolling your eyes but Matt Damon in it it gives this like oomph and this understanding that he's like okay well we're going to you're going to you guys are going to all fuck around and find out i'm going to get my star i'm going to be a general i'm going to feel a little bit bad about this but you guys did this all to yourself and then him trying to keep things together is like it's wild it's like it's it's a great performance because it's so it's it's exactly what like okay like going back to the martian right like when you when you think about the martian and you think about matt damon it's like you know the his portrayal of an astronaut is the like is so funny because it's not your typical but it has moments of the typical astronaut performance do yeah. you know what i mean yeah this is like the general and the typical but he brings this he brings like gary cooper by way of jack lemon Yes yeah. to it like that's the only way that i can i can like he's like gary cooper but he adds just enough of this jack lemon as exasperation where it's like i don't want to like this guy but i like this guy like him exactly exactly and yeah. but it's like it's like his performance is there so that everything else works and you don't he never gets that oscar Beatty moment like many of the like the performances do, but I mean, fuck, it's so good, right? Like he's so good at everything that he's doing in this movie. Um, Who isn't good at what they're doing? Like this, no, this there's is no also like a reminder of like, hey, all of these people that maybe you thought had like, oh, maybe they weren't as great as you thought they were. By the way, they're also fucking phenomenal. Josh Hartnett. Alden is oh, a yeah. good fucking actor. Alden Ehrenreich is a good fucking actor. David <laughs> Crummels gaining 50 pounds. I mean, that's just David Crummels yeah. now. Like I'm not uh, like I'm not that TV show. I am not those cameos in the in the comedic movies that I was in. I am a good actor. I am uh I mean um Jack Quaid, Josh Peck, Olivia Thurby, all all former Disney uh, Disney kids, right? Yeah. All come in. I mean, well, we know Jack Quaid. Like, we're we're like, I, yeah, I feel he, like he's been around a lot lately. He, but yeah, yeah. It, to to get to see him be something a little more serious, and oh, you know, oh, hey, by, yeah. By the way, if you, I know you've all been enjoying Matthew Modine and his like a uh, Netflix you know, bits and pieces on yeah. stranger things. But like, by the way, the dude's a fucking brilliant actor. <laughs> like, here's three scenes of him just delivering lines. Like <laughs> knocking like what it's like watching the home run derby, man. Yeah. It's it really is. Like 
Oh, here's some dialogue. Watch these fucking people knock it out of the park. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, and we haven't. Okay, so like, we haven't even talked about who plays Harry Truman. <laughs> like, like, let's just add another checkbox to hit. Like, so is he? Is his next guy? Is his next guy FDR? I mean, has he played? I don't even know if Gary Oldman has played FDR. But I mean, he played Churchill. He's now yeah. played Truman. Oh, what's the next one? Like, is it is it like is he going for the trifecta or is he gonna? Oh, you know what? No, he didn't play Stalin. Robert Duvall played Stalin, but like he's going around playing like that the figureheads of World War II, um, like with great aplomb. Like his whole his whole one scene, like that's the very definition of why like Chris like this is what you do when you get a blank check, right? Like that's the thing that I I feel like is like ultimately with this cast is like this is what you can do when you're as good of a director as chris nolan you've been given like you the chains have been unlocked and they just say here it is here's your here's your budget you stay within here and you can do everything else because every like everything says that everything that we heard was that he got the kubrick handshake right like final cut like like true final cut like editing marketing um casting locations everything no studio interference and this is what you get like this is where it works right because you get somebody like gary oldman and you pay him you don't just like i feel like the budget is also because they paid these guys they went oh you know what like in this is sag actor strike like conversation of like oh you know what oldman i know like you know gary i know that you worked with me but you know what i want you to be in this one scene it's going to take eight hours of makeup um, I'm going to pay you your rate for supporting actors, even though it's one scene. So you get all these guys to come and play, but you also pay them like their salaries. And this is what you get because you're respecting them, right? Like you respect them, you give them the space. It's Chris Nolan. And this is what happens. Like from top to bottom, there is not a bum performance or a false note in this movie. I mean, even from like people you don't know, because like yeah. when you get to the Lyndon Johnson scene, Hapler is oh, the yeah. guy you look at and be like, I think I've seen him in things. Or you might go like, is this a big actor? Then I'm just not re-. like, it's, it's a dude that's been in some TV shows and like done some yeah. voiceover work. And like, he's, he's not a name, but like he fucking nails that scene, man. And like, he looks, and he looks like Johnson. Yeah. Like looks like Lyndon Johnson. Like you go, oh shit, that's that's LBJ. Like I know LBJ. Um, no, James Urbaniak right. is in this movie for forty five seconds. <laughs> you yes, know? fucking fucking Doctor Venture. Doctor Venture is in this movie, like playing Kurt Goldel. Like, and you, if you know who Kurt Goldel is, like you know, like that's an important thing. But it's so funny to think that Chris Nolan, if like. It makes me giggle to think that Chris Nolan has watched Venture Brothers because I can only imagine it's either super hilarious to him and he sits either there that and laughs. Or he knows him from The Office because like oh he's god in, like, I didn't like, even think that three episodes of The god. Office or something as Dwight's buddy like that's right I completely <laughs> forgot about that oh my god it could I mean very he's well done a that. bunch of other stuff too but like you know uh, yeah actually, actually well no because. This would have been about the same. He was in the Fablemans last year. I know that. I yes. hadn't seen it, but I do know that. 
Um, but th- this would have been like around the same time. But like Urbaniac huh. is mostly just comedic and voiceover work. Like it, it's yep. not, you know, it's not serious. It, it's not serious German, yeah. work, right? <laughs> um, but he's great. Like the forty-five seconds, like you see him and you go, "Oh shit!" If you're if you're a guy like us who knows voiceover actors, you're like, "Oh shit!" That's no, that can't be James Urbaniac. And I mean, of course, you know, you sit through the credits or you go into IMDb and you go, oh, no shit, it is. Another guy that no, like, we know, but I think, like, the public at large doesn't know is uh, David Desmachlin showing up. Yeah, like, I, I feel like he's gotten, a, not fame, but he has become that new, hey, I know that guy, like, on exactly. that bigger scale. Because he's Very shown Steve up in Buscemi. so many, yeah, yeah, he's like the new Bashimi. He's shown up in so many things in the last like decade or so. Like, it, it, yeah, it, I, I mean, it, it it's ridiculous that that they didn't find room in Ant Man for. Uh, that, <laughs> I, well, I know you can't put Ti in there, but um, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but. Yeah, you're right. Like, like, Dash Mashlin is like this guy that he's kind of like become, he's becoming like Steve Buscemi of like indie world, like indie, like early nine, early to mid nineties Steve Buscemi. Like that's where he is right now. He hasn't ascended to oh, I'm going to be in a Happy Madison production and now everybody's going to know me. Um, but James Darcy, I forgot about James. Oh Dar- yeah, James De- uh, Darcy uh, who shows up like. Kind of late, or James Remar too. Oh, James uh, Remar. Yeah, James James Remar, man. Like that's another one where it's like, oh hey, yeah, I know that most of you might be like, oh hey, it's the dad from Dexter. But by yeah. the way, this dude is a fucking caliber actor. <laughs> My God, the way. Okay, so I think we talked about this before about how. I was worried that they weren't going to have the scene where they they pivot from ger- like bombing the shit out of Germany, which they should have, and bombing Japan and that conversation. I was not expecting it to go as like I feel like Nolan shows his true colors in that scene because he allows it to play out per the way that it was it was discussed and the way that the secretary of war approached it. And it's so damning, but it's not overplayed, right? Like it doesn't overplay it. It's like this, it's like this moment of a bunch of white men determining like the future of things and literally being like, yeah, let's go ahead and bomb the shit out of, of the Japanese because they're not, they're, they're not white people, but never saying that. And then in a, uh, a kangaroo Not a court Using yep. that against Oppenheimer when it's yes. like Well didn't you Because they're at like you helped choose the military Target you helped yeah. And he's like I like I built it I didn't Pull the trigger like I, I didn't Yes I built yeah, I Helped build the bomb but No Like you know By the time yeah. he got to the end like it, it, it's such a, and Nolan does a great job of like walking that line of like being really happy and kind of proud 
of the success of like doing what you set out to do, but also understanding that that you built this successful bomb and mm-hmm. now therefore it has to be used. Yes. Like, okay, so that brings up like a point for me where I found that like when I've read stuff, people feel like the first part of the movie is better than the second part. And I fucking completely disagree. I feel like me the too. last third the last third of this movie is where Nolan shines, where I like agree. it tr- it truly soars, right? Because when the reveal happens, which you know is already the like is or like when you find out um when you find out um that um Strauss is the machination is behind everything is is the is the push person that's pushing and pulling Oppenheimer to his damnation like that's where the movie starts to shine that's where like it becomes what i feel like it's like its purpose right like everything is building up to the bomb and when the bomb drops it's at that moment like after the bomb drops and you see how it affects everybody and then the second half of the, it's not even the second half. It's like the, the last hour of the movie. It's like, that's the movie that like when I left, I was kind of shook by. Um, but also like, that's the meat and potatoes of the movie. Yeah. I feel like for me, I, I completely um, agree. I, I feel like he cut so much out of the beginning of the movie to keep the end of the movie intact because yes, the no, beginning of that movie is just like, like just it, it like a steady drumbeat. I mean, it just yep. goes and goes and goes and goes. And like it does not slow down. And I'm like, man, we are just pacing through this dude's life. Like, wh- where is the like the point where we're gonna like slow down and see? And and it is there at the end. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, all that stuff at the beginning is interesting, but like you don't get a sense other than them just saying it like you don't get that real sense of like his relationships with the other scientists with even his wife or yeah you know it's hard until you get later in the movie where you understand that like oh okay so like he did have real relationships with these people friendships and you know um yeah, it, it, it's really, really difficult in the beginning. Not that the beginning's not great. It's just, it's very methodical. And like, oh, we have to get all of this info in and do it in a certain kind of way so that when we get to the end and everything unfolds the way it unfolds, um, yeah, it, it's it's so brilliant. Like, there's so many great scenes in, in the last hour of the movie um, mm-hmm. Emily Blunt's interrogation scene is oh wow that that's yeah good it's, so, it's just so well done like so yeah. well done like Jason Clark being Jason Spencer and I talked about this in the car uh um on the ride back because I I picked him up we rode together and uh uh-huh. uh we we're talking about Jason Clark and uh. I want to I want to meet Jason Clark because either he's like probably the nicest guy in the world 
And he yes. just brings all of that to his characters. Like, all of this, like, shittiness. Or yes. he really is, like, the douchiest guy on the planet. <laughs> because, well, like, he's so good at that. Like, when he, like, scoots his chair up and, like, leans oh, in. Man. It's just, like... yes. The tactics, like, they're so telegraphed, but so, uh, like, just like, oh, yeah, this is what they do. And, like, cut to, cut in with Oppenheimer saying, like, no, she she's, she's going to be, a, like, she can handle this. And yeah. you, for just a second, you think, like. She can't handle it, but it's not that she can't handle it. You start to understand it's that she's upset that she has to be the one to handle it because yes, he won't fight back. He will just sit there and let them tear his life apart without even yeah. like getting angry about it. And for so many reasons that she does kind of understand, but I mean, going, even going as far back as like, you know, which I know that, uh, his grandson very much has a problem with the poison apple scene. I get it. Yes. Um, but, uh, but going back to that of, of just like, I understand like, how somebody could feel this way about me because I felt that way about somebody else that somebody I was to destroy their life, you know? Yep. And, and not over anything other than like he embarrassed me in front of other people. Well, and then it's, but it's brilliant because there's triple layers to that because it, it also shows you the other side of Strauss, Strauss's, um, argument about it because he was embarrassed by Oppenheimer right. himself. Right. Right. And and he's doing all this shit because he was embarrassed because like he didn't get like he didn't he he didn't get what he wanted from Oppenheimer. Right? Um it is ring kissed. <laughs> yes, exactly. He didn't like like I know that a lot of people have talked about this movie um and compared it to Amadeus with Salieri and and uh, Mozart, and it's very a very apt, like, like the Solieri character and Strauss are very similar. Like, I I can see Nolan watching that film and going, oh, that's an interesting way of approaching it from the whole like you know, like person who can't, but is powerful and moves in the shadows, but and the person that is and who he thinks as who he looks at as a buffoon. Because I mean, that's the way that that Strauss looks at Oppenheimer as a buffoon, a catting around, like sleeping around commie that's trying to give things away to the Russians, which is so not the case, but it's the way that he looks at him. And it's a very telling thing about how ego will supplant any rationality that you have and allow you to villainize somebody. Because to Strauss's point, he feels like, and you know, to Strauss's point, he's, the enemy of the state because he's protecting people from Oppenheimer, which I mean, man, like talk about like a brilliant bit of shading in, in a major studio picture where you can, 
you can have these different various opinions and let them be what they are and not have to point fingers, but just do it in the right subtle push, right? Like, Where it's like just I feel like, like they're both right and they're both wrong. Both wrong. Yeah. Exactly. No, you're 100% right. And like, let's just stop and appreciate that part of the reason why the downfall works is because Olden Ehrenreich plays it so well <laughs> with RDJ. Like yeah. Iron Man and Han Solo having a, a face-off that's not Iron Man and Han Solo, but like, like the thing that I find the most heartwarming about this is that my boy Olden Ehrenreich actually got a great role and he lived up to it. Like, like I almost feel like if anybody were to not give him credit, it, like it's doing a disservice for the film because Strauss, like Strauss doesn't work. That storyline doesn't work unless you have somebody that can be as starstruck as Alden Ehrenreich plays at the beginning and then slowly but surely understands who this person is and yeah. becomes learns from this this whole this whole thing, right? And it's like like the only thing I don't like, I know it's I know it's it's a matter of of point, but like the only thing I feel feels out of play is the whole JFK thing because you know it's coming, right? Like when you hear, you're like, yeah. oh, don't do it, don't do it, please. I, they I don't could have left it at a young senator, from senator from Massachusetts, Massachusetts, and leave it at that, right? But they don't, they don't, and I'm like, oh, come on, oh man, like, like not even nobody could get that line like right, right. Like, because it's it's an impossible line because too much pop culture has passed, too much hero worship has passed, and it just doesn't, for a movie that that feels like it's, it has an opinion, but I feel like the opinion is so subtle and it gives arguments for both, that moment feels so glaringly like, okay, here's the checkbox, hero worship of JFK. Yeah. Like, you know, in a movie that doesn't feel like checkboxes, like, I don't know, like, it, it, it rubbed, it's the one thing that really rubbed me the wrong way, um, but I can forgive it, like, right, like, it is what it is, I mean, we know that this is something that happens. It, it does feel like a studio note, though, where there's somebody in the studio is <laughs> like, what was that line about, and they're like, he's talking about John Kennedy, and they're like, well, why not just have him say John Kennedy? Go back yeah. and put that oh. in there. Like, fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, but but yeah, all the Ehrenreich, man. I mean, like, like, like that's how deep the roster is. But that's how much people came to play, right? Like, oftentimes movies are about people's agendas, and and to to a certain point, this kind of movie is because you're trying to get clout. But at the same time, I feel like. As soon as they started filming, it feels like everybody just came to do the work, knowing that it was good. Like they read the script, they all like they were like they didn't count lines. They just said, "This is an important movie. I need to be in it. Um, the part is small, but you know what? I guarantee you, I'm going to be in a lot of scenes because the way that." Nolan shoots movies. He shoots very open, very John Ford like. Like I was actually surprised at how much I was like, this feels like a fucking John Ford movie. Though John Ford would never make this movie. 
Like, right? Like, like this is the kind of movie that I feel like John Ford would look at and go, <laughs> but it's shot in that style, right? Like yeah. that was something that it was unexpected. Though, when you think about New Mexico, it absolutely should be shot like a John Ford film, right? Like open vistas, people dwarfed in the frame. Like, even though watching it in IMAX, I was like, like, you feel like the largeness of the movie, right? But at the same time, it feels very intimate. Like, the movie is never, it never feels like it's cheaply made, but it also doesn't feel like, like, like it was like trying to be bigger than it was. Like, there's not scenes, like, you don't cut to scenes of, like, ships moving in the Pacific. Like, the only thing that you actually get is, like, this weird, um, this weird moment between, um, uh, between, uh, Dustin Matchlin's, like, or no, no, it wasn't Matchlin, it was, um, yeah, no, it was Matchlin's, uh, character talking about a, a VX rocket while he was a pilot, and then Oppenheimer actually, like, yeah. putting himself there. Those are the only moments where it's, like, there's, like, military force like and i loved it because i hate that i hate the fucking michael bay bullshit in in historical dramas where they cut to a big scene of ships looming and water spraying and shit i'm like give me a fucking break these scientists weren't even close to that shit so let's concentrate on the scientists and what they saw um but again, it's just, it's one, it's like a bit of brilliance. Like the photography, the way it's shot, it doesn't feel enclosed because like IMAX can make you feel real claustrophobic real quick if you don't use it properly, right? Um, but everything that I feel was done was done for effect. Like, like all of those, like the atomic bomb stuff, like especially at the beginning where we're getting flashes inside of Oppenheimer's brain and how it works and what he's thinking about, but on a, like a macro level of like what atoms and particles are doing like that hurt my, that, that hurt my head and my eyes. I was like, if this is the way that this movie is going to be cut, I'm going to have a big fucking problem with this. And I might actually have to leave because it was so overwhelming, but thankfully it was just for effect. Right. Like, and then he moved out of that. Um, I, I like, I'm impressed by, and it does. It shouldn't impress me at all. But I'm still, I'm still impressed because, like, this is like you know what? This is the fourth film that he shot all in IMAX cameras, like, or primarily, like seventy to eighty percent. Um, I feel like he's the one person that I I trust with that because now he understand he understands the visuals and what it can do to you. I don't know if I trust anybody else with like an IMAX movie like this because man, it goes quick south. Or you can go south quickly, especially if you're in a real IMAX movie, right? Yeah. Or IMAX theater. Um, what was your experience like at the beginning? Like, I'm actually curious because like, that's an assault. Like it feels like an assault that first 10 or 15 I, minutes. I was really worried, man, because like, I, <sighs> I did not have the best theater experience with um uh I'm just going to keep calling it the Matthew McConaughey movie. <laughs> um it, because it's so loud. Like the sound design in that movie was so bombarding that I was just like, man, I don't think I can do Nolan movies anymore. And then I did see um uh, 
Dunkirk, which I thought was great and such such a not Nolan type of movie that I was like, oh, mm-hmm. maybe maybe like he's toning it down. Tenet, I just didn't see because of everything that was going on and just haven't got around mm-hmm. to it. So when this started and all of that sound shit is going and like the 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 I don't even know what to, how to call it like that sound of the the pieces of the explosion or like I was just like oh my god I I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle that because if he does this the entire movie like every few minutes I, I'm going to be on edge for three hours and and my head's going to hurt my stomach's going to hurt yep but like. It's only just in like spits and farts and like uh, it's fine. Like yeah, I, I thought it was okay. very very well used. Like all of Nolan's tricks are there, including the like, haha, gotcha moment at the end. <laughs> you know the reveal yep. that he always does. Yeah. Like oh yeah, it wasn't what you thought it was the whole time. Um, but used to such good effect like literally i i I, again haven't seen tenant this might be the best nolan movie i don't think you can count dunkirk as a nolan movie it felt very much like this love letter um which is weird because it's about world war one um but this is the best he's been since i think memento i really really do I would not, I would not uh, deny that. I, I feel like Prestige for me is like another big, like Memento. Everybody prestige. loves the Prestige. I think it's, it's very, a very well-made movie, but like, it's just one of those movies where the more I've thought about it, the more I've been like, yeah, if I think about this, it just all falls apart for me. And that mm. that's troublesome. Fair enough. No, no, absolutely. Like, I feel like, it what has the fuck does he do? Why, why is he keeping all those dead bodies, man? That's true. That's that. That is <laughs> like, the biggest point of the movie. Like, is like, like, set him on you fire, just... dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Burn him. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Keep them in. Keep like, it's a very Guillermo of dead bodies. <laughs> oh, very Guillermo del Toro esque, right? Like uh, bodies in jars and shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's another one that oh. like. In scenes, in like sections, I think that movie is really, really great. And but as a whole, I'm just like, I, it all just falls apart for me, man. The McConaughey <laughs> movie is the same way, like, like we talked about. It's like in sections, I'm like, man, this is so good, man, this is so good. Although the sound design in that movie is just too damn much. Um, oh god, yeah. It is. But, it's the most uh, Nolan-esque. And the sound design was perfect in this movie. Like, I didn't have a problem I, hearing anybody. I, well, like, you know, there, when it, when it goes that weird. Fast talking. I was just like, yeah. uh, is this a Nolan movie? Or is this, uh, uh, oh, shit, what's his name? That makes everybody talk super fast. <laughs> um, uh, the, the TV guy, the West Wing guy. Oh, Aaron Sorkin. Yes. Yeah, Sorkin. Oh my God. Yeah. Walking and like, talking very fast. And, <laughs> like, why are there nine pages of dialogue? Um, yeah. Uh, there is some, like, when they hit the sciencey parts, 
it it feels like they like you know they're acting because they had to memorize that stuff at like the way you're memorizing song lyrics and you're just like you got to hit the beats <laughs> because you don't really know what you're talking about <laughs> so yes. to make it sound natural so they just they're just hitting the, those beats but when it's just like just regular dialogue just conversations yeah i, I it's phenomenal so yeah um yeah i mean so uh, I mean, another bit of brilliance by Nolan, but this one is actually deserved just because. Yeah, like, I will be so surprised. It, like, I, I think I, Dune is the only thing that has the shot of uh, taking its its glory away from it come awards. But I'm with but you. Even then, Dune is probably not going to make it to the Oscars this year. It's going to be next year. And I don't even think Scorsese's uh, new DiCaprio oh, joint is going to make it. I saw the trailer. Yeah. It's like, I need to see it. Like, yeah. that's the thing with 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 me. With Like, is this going to be Scorsese that I love? Or is this going to be Scorsese that feels like a slog? And, oh, my God, don't at me at that one. Because, like, you know, uh, like all filmmakers, he has yeah. his... He yeah. does not... Act, like, he, he can sometimes crash and burn. Um, yeah. I, I so, it, not, it did not wow me. Like I, I've heard so much about the book, like before Scorsese yeah. was ever even interested in it. Like yep. I've heard so much about this book and how great it is. And then I, I of course never read it. And I saw the trailer and I was like, yeah, I don't know, man. Like nothing yeah. grabbed me. So like, okay. Uh, Rio. And like the, the subject matter. Yes. Like, not saying it's not interesting or, or important or, but just nothing about the movie grabbed me. So if anything, I was like, well, the, the book's probably better. I could just read the book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that, that's what I'm planning on doing with that one is I, I'm like, now I'm at the point where I actually have the book and I'm like, you know what? It's probably going to get delayed until next year. I, I, well expect it to just because how do you how do you do it without your your star like that's the thing that like yeah that's the thing that can't promote the movie yeah yep and, and how can you you've got um the actress right she's uh i yeah. can't remember her name lily but gladstone lily gladstone yeah. i think yeah she's she's not like she's not done much or is not super like she's not dicaprio so no. Like this is somebody like uh, Oscars are known for like uh, rewarding like oh come from out of nowhere great performances, uh mm -hmm. you know, and so that's one that could score but like you can't she can't go out there and promote it during the strike so that that you know yeah yeah it, it's oh, absolutely yeah. yeah I mean it's like we talked about like you know I feel like most of the slate of 2023 at the end of the year, if this strike continues to go on, it's gone because you they think can't the Marvels will get pushed. Yeah. Yeah. With the, like, cause they're, if, if it doesn't break soon, then what's going to happen is Marvel doesn't have any movies for next year. Yep. And it it's already been pushed twice. No, three it times, has. <laughs> three times, but it, the last time it got pushed because 
they're trying to they're trying to up res the effects for for theater viewing rather than Disney Plus viewing. From Boy, what I, I understand, I wish they up res the fucking effects on the Disney Plus shows. Oh Jesus! Can Let, we let's leave get those into- a little more time in the lab. Like, exactly. Well, I mean, we got the we got the notice that Loki is October sixth, which is basically a, an additional six months from when we were supposed to get it. Because yeah. uh, we were supposed to get it at the end of May, but then they pushed and pushed. Even then, I don't even think we're going to get that. Like, I'm genuinely surprised that we can get we, we're getting Ahsoka. Like, like that's to be perfectly honest with you. But from everything that I've heard or read, that a lot of interviews are already in the were already in the bag for Ahsoka. Um, so there's a, a prominent amount of like PR work that has already been done so that they can push it. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, you guys are going to fuck around and find out very quickly that people are people just like Netflix, like Netflix with no promotion, like no Netflix doesn't fucking give a fuck because I, I know like, they like, don't the echo like all the episodes of echo all at once. Like they're yeah. literally just dumping that show. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. They're dumping it from everything that I've heard. Like, everything we've heard from behind the scenes, um, it's it's not, like, it's, like they said, it's, it's, like, unequivocally, it's a failure. Which I'm genuinely shocked at that they would allow I, that I, to happen. I, like, I, I thought she was one of the, I mean, well, Hawkeye was one of the best Marvel entries, period. She, yeah. Turned in a stellar performance um, She did And you know Enough to warrant her own show for them to Just like Yeah not not Put the work into it that they should have I, I don't I don't know I don't know what's going On over there man like I'm I'm really re- really Struggling to understand Why with Marvel And Star Wars it seems like They Decided just to churn stuff out instead of putting any kind of work into it, and I, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I, I don't either. Like, okay, so like, let's. Secret let's talk about could have been great, man. It and it sucked. I hate saying that on every level. It's I, just the first two episodes were pretty good. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. it just it slowly just became less and less interesting. Like past finding out about Fury's wife and everything, I, like after that, I re it just I got less interesting for me. Like yep, ooh, Rhodey was a scroll. Like yeah, that's kind of interesting. But like from what point? Like what? Like. Are we gonna get follow-ups to any of this? I, I, I don't know, man. It, it, it was very, it, very disappointing there at the end, and, and oh, again, goodness. was just a big CGI mess of a battle. Like, like okay. I, it makes wrong turns at every point, and you're right. Like, I watched, like, we watched it stunned. I was like, what? So, what? Like you, I, I think it's like, so telegraphed that that isn't Fury. Yes, it so is, and it just doesn't work. Like, like you know, like if kids are watching this, and I, I don't know why they would be watching it. 
first they'd be bored out of their minds because all it is is just a bunch of people talking on like okay we just talked about Oppenheimer where a lot of the movie is people talking in rooms about important government stuff right yeah and but it's thrilling this movie or this show does the exact opposite with that trope and you so much so that you're just like jesus okay how much money did you give this this show like 25 dollars? because it feels like everything is done on a set everything yeah. is like enclosed i, I felt so claustrophobic. I don't think the first two episodes feel that way I, i've rewatched them okay to me the the first two episodes i thought really really stood out held up but the problem is they just don't they don't go anywhere with that momentum. Like they ju- they just blow it. Like I do mostly enjoy the scenes with where it's Fury just like chatting with people. Yeah, um, but I, I I will say this also about the first two episodes or the first few episodes in general. At some point, I was like, oh, was this show just created to kill off characters? That we hadn't seen in a while, so that you don't have to explain where the fuck they've been. Like, yep, you know, they just every episode is like, oh well, this person's dead. Oh well, this person's dead. It's like, what the fuck is going on, man? Um, like, like so much so that it pissed me off that they they're like, why did they kill Talos again? I like, don't know. What purpose? What purpose did it serve narratively what? to? <sighs> Dermot Mulroney must be in the marvels <laughs> and other things because yeah otherwise why the fuck is he in this i to have one like, scene on the steps with fake roadie and then sit in a hospital bed yeah and then have <laughs> a stunt uh, do uh, stunt work to get flipped over in a truck i mean come on like so like I, yeah, I want to hit you with something by contrast. I, like, okay. I'm, I'm with you. This the show is terrible. But yeah. I watched three. I I was up early this morning, unfortunately. Oh. Um, but huh. I watched the premiere of Futurama. Oh, okay. The new season. I don't know if you're a mm-hmm. Futurama person or not. I I am okay. Future Futurama Simpsons always Futurama. Like I'm I'm the dude that like can't watch Jurassic Park. Because it yeah. just from yeah. the moment it starts, I start crying. I, I knew we had that. Um, I did. Uh, I, I was such a fan of the OG Futurama. Really, yes. really worried about the new stuff. It, mm-hmm. It's 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 pretty good. It's okay. Pretty good. Um, I have. I'm starting. I actually started a rewatch of Futurama so that I can. I missed. Okay, after the first movie came out. it's down it's it's downhill from there like that that first movie what i was like i don't know about this and it's diminishing returns after that was really worried about this new reboot there's some still like bad tendencies there to be okay a little too family guy-ish like yeah but uh they they they've got some of the old magic back um okay okay uh, i watched make- uh the return of raylan givens yes okay now episode. 
Okay, so we can like I talked the I saw the first episode too, but that that's also something that I'm going back and rewatching, even though you don't need to with this one because it's a brand new, it's it's brand new. Like you don't have yeah, to. It it does have. I mean, I guess you don't need it to helps. know like why he has a daughter and like it's just like oh he's got a daughter, um, but yeah it uh, I I do want to go back and rewatch the whole show from the the beginning, but. Right. It, this was a good a good way to bring him back. Like I love yes. the the like re- reluctance of him. Like just he's I don't want to be involved in any of this. <laughs> and also <laughs> I love his kind of like uh uh I don't know uh, like hoisted on his own petard kind of thing where he's like Yes. Like, yeah, your your good old boy justice bullshit like worked in Kentucky, man. <laughs> like it, it doesn't, doesn't work, work in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> um you can't like, put the so- man in the trunk of a car. Like you can't do it. You you know, you can't stop for fucking ice cream after you arrested somebody. Like it just doesn't work, man. Um like you didn't follow procedure. I, I really, really enjoyed that. Um, I I was delighted because I thought we were going to get Keith David for... Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit, he's going to be part of this season. And, yeah, I mean, he's not going to be. Um, no, well, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it's Elmore Leonard, right? Like, that's the perfect yeah. Elmore Leonard moment, right? Like, where you, you think somebody's <laughs> important... And they are not important whatsoever. When, he's, when uh, he takes the, when you realize he's a judge and he's sitting, yes. when he first gets up there and he, they, they're, they're like, well, in light of what happened today, he's like, I've endured all the racist, dumb shit this town has to offer. You think I'm going to let a car bomb deter me? Um, <laughs> and then our, our favorite, uh, like, uh, Guy, punchable Bad. guy in the face. Yeah. <laughs> as, Boy Hallbrook. <laughs> as what, whatever this this character is, but it might be. So, we thought. I guess in the beginning, it's hard to look back and go, "Well, Walton Goggins was always going to be." But Walton Goggins was meant to be in the beginning of Justified. That guy, where it's just like, "Oh, yeah. we'll, we'll just do away with him by the end." Into the series, but the problem is you you cast Walton Goggins. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah, you can't do so, away with Walton uh, Goggins. Uh, Uncle baby, Uncle baby Billy, Uncle he's baby fucking Billy. amazing. So, <laughs> he really um, is. so yeah, uh, I, I'm excited. Uh, I'm probably gonna rewatch this episode again because I felt like I missed some things because um, I was just so giddy that I'm watching Raylan Givens, um, but. And, so, okay, so oh, go ahead. No, no, no. no, no, go no, no. I'm so, sorry, so sorry. I'm, I was going to jump to another show, so go ahead. Oh, okay. I just want to like give a big, <laughs> a big shout out to, um, to um, the the entire cast of that show because it is not easy to um, be in this kind of sequel show and it not feel like a sequel and not feel like a retread. This absolutely does not feel like a retread guys. Like if you were justified, if you were fans of justified and you thought that it was just going to be like, you know, 
like the same thing that you always see from sequel, like, like Long in the Tooth sequel like series. Chris Maloney coming back to Law and Order, and this is like, <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, it's exactly what it always was. He's a little edgier, but he it's just the same show. This it, it does it feels very much like Raylan is the same. This is not yes. the same show. <laughs> Absolutely. And shout out to them taking the chance with his daughter and casting his real life daughter. Yeah. yeah. As 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 the daughter because it charges Oliphant as as the Gibbons character in a way that I don't know if you would have if you had like like in the first show it's Caitlin Deaver that plays the kind of surrogate daughter that he yeah. has, right? In yeah. and it doesn't work as well. Well, like it, it works has good. Such a uh, like she has that like brattiness to her. Um, yes, but he has such an affection for her in the, the original series, where it, it's uh, you you don't like it. Doesn't matter what she does, he's always just kind of like dealing with it whereas like the actual father-daughter relationship is like so combative sounds like the wrong word but it is this like back and forth where it's just like this is my kid and if i could drop them off in the middle of nowhere and leave and not come back i i probably would (laughs) you know (laughs) yes no absolutely get all of that and you also get like I, I don't know their real life relationship. I imagine it's pretty close. Um, yeah. But she gets to say all of these things to her dad without real repercussions. So yeah. there's no, this giddiness to what she's doing where she's just like, I get to stick it to my dad. I get to say all these like shitty <laughs> Like kind of hurtful things Like uh, you're terrible at your job <laughs> You know Like just <laughs> all of the it, yeah, it works so well And I'm so happy to have Raylan back even if it's just For like whatever Six eight episodes this winds up being Yeah If, it, if it's only one then that's fine But that's okay because it It feels like it's special Like it feels like they They knew what they were doing and they're bringing it back with purpose um, and care, which, man, like that—that's the most that you can ask for um, uh, from from a show that is a revival show, and especially one that I loved as dearly as I loved Justified. Because I'm a huge—I don't know if I've ever said this, but I'm a huge Elmore Leonard fan. But like, I'll be on like I think I've been on record with saying that Timothy Oliphant is like one of my favorite actors, and him playing at him playing this character is like is like the thing that dreams are made of for Elmore Leonard fans. He's um, so good at it. I mean, he's, he's so good at everything, good. but like this is just pitch perfect. Like he yeah. knows how to deliver the dialogue. Like he just he has all of it down so well. Like it's it, it's yeah, it's crazy how perfect he is. At all of this. No, absolutely. Absolutely. No, he's just like, there has never been a character and actor, like of recent memory of the last, like, say, 15 years that I feel like perfectly matches pitch and tone as him. I mean, he's like, you know, he's modern day. Like, I just love the fact that he's just a modern day cowboy. Like, 
Like if you if you casted him and Pedro Pascal in a straight western. Oh my god, like, that's so great. Yeah, like 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 have them as I, I want mean, to see this like updated have... version of the good, the bad, and the ugly with those two. Oh my god, could you imagine that? Uh, like you know, like I think that you'd have to do Pedro <laughs> as Clint and and uh, Timothy Oliphant as as Lee Van Cleef. But then who do you get for? Oh, I know why not? Why not? Uh, him as Clint and uh, Pedro Pascal as um, uh, what's Eli Wallach? Yeah, because this is gonna go directly into what we're gonna like another thing that we're gonna talk about. I fucking kind of want Danny McBride to play uh to play the Eli Wallach character. I I would love to have somebody tell Danny McBride there's two types of people in this world. (laughs) 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 Ones with ropes around their neck. And the ones that do the shooting, <laughs> like I would fucking love that. Um, uh, I mean, he like he literally is the perfect like that character. Like, and Danny McBride kind of feel like a perfect like melding of everything that Danny McBride does. Yeah, um, I, I would like I, to see those two in a movie together, just like like a midnight run type of thing. Oh my uh, god! It's just like, yes, because. Oliphant would just become completely exasperated with the nonsense that Danny McBride gets up to. Like, <laughs> it, I, I would love it. I would love it. Oh, my God. Just remake. I mean, re- like, you can't remake Midnight Run, but you can remake it. But if you have those two in it, it becomes like... It becomes close to as special as you could probably get in this era because, like, I don't know, like, yeah, they just seem like the perfect oil and water combination that you need. Um, I'm glad Righteous Gemstones got picked up for another season. Um, Holy shit, yes. Um, I can't believe that this is the most watched show Danny McBride has had on uh, HBO, because this is his third series with them. We had Eastbound yep. and Down, which was Vice. started off great, but got real, real oh, rocky there towards the end. Vice Principals, which just tells me not enough fucking people watch Vice Principals, because holy shit, I I like Righteous, Righteous Gemstones. I think Vice Principals is a much better show. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Hey, that's that's interesting. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I feel a little bit of the opposite, but I also feel like Vice Principles ended exactly when it needed to. Like, oh, I don't know where. Sure. Else. I, I you, don't know where you go past that two seasons. Yeah, two seasons. I, yeah, I don't know where you go past that. Like, it's a complete story, but I, I think, and maybe it's just because Rogers Gemstones is still going but like vice principles i was like oh this is like just like chef's kiss of a show it's so perfect it's just every bit of it is perfect um i do feel like i um, so his most like i feel like it's his most watched show because of the cast that they have like like let's yeah. be honest like this cast is but you would think the subject would turn so many people off like I feel literally like, like a initially. third of the country. <laughs> well, okay, so here's the thing. Like once you get into the show, okay, so like I've heard people call it kind of like redneck godfather, right? 
which yeah. like at the most crass, yes, it is. But when you watch this show, what I find is the brilliant stroke. And I think that the third of the nation is a greater fan of this than they are of like anything else is a it's done by a bunch of dudes that are from the South. I mean, like, let's be honest, Danny McBride, Jody Hill and um, David Gordon Green are all dudes from North Carolina. They, they, they went to North Carolina University or uh, University of North Carolina. Yeah, they, they all grew up to. They, they get all made, the aesthetic. They get why it's so like not great why the rest of the country would be like but they also get why the people love in that culture are in that culture like exactly yeah and here here's the bigger part is that i feel like they treat them with respect it's still a wild ass cartoon it's still damning but there's this level of Okay, so, like, what I feel like people don't understand about Righteous Gemstones is that it has a huge streak of action tropes in it. It's like, like, they take certain tropes and certain stories, and they're from straight from action films, right? And they infuse this stuff with action, like, action movie tropes and action movie scenes, but it's not funny. This stuff all with respect, right? And they just let the characters be insane. And it's like the gun thing, right? Like, there's a big, heavy through line of gun, of, like, gunplay um, in this show. But it's always done with this weird level of respect where I find, like, when Danny McBride is working at his best, it's both insulting to the characters, but also ego-rubbing to the characters, if that makes sense. And I feel like there's never a moment that feels false, but also they're never making fun of the characters. They're just showing them like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I always feel like when I watch it, it's always surprising to me how they go in with the cliche, but the cliche becomes so weird because they add so much character and weird shit into those moments that you're like, how the fuck? It's like a character like Keith, right? Like the evolution of Keith is amazing because it's like, you start off as this weird joke of a Satanist, like a Satanist that's got deprogrammed, but it turns into this beautiful, like not like you can't even understand his relationship with Kelvin. Like, I don't even think they understand their own relationship. Right. But it's there. Um, But I never feel like it's at the expense of Keith. Even though they do some weird shit for him, like the the like, I think it was was it last year that they did the 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 God Bros and the dick joke in the eye. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Or, or was it this year? No, no, no. <clears throat> it was last year with the whole Conan thing and the cross and yeah, that's like, like people that have not seen this hearing those words come out of my mouth will not understand. And that's what the brilliant part about this show is: is that it gets you to a fever pitch. And that whole thing with the cross and the walking of the cross and yeah, the whole so Conan. Man. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, man. It's like a magic trick. It really is because you they're never insulting to the characters. It's wild and they peacock. But it never feels like it's disrespectful. Does that make sense? To, like yeah. it's um 
And also it helps when you got like John Goodman playing like that, the patriarch. That's the, the shit that interests me the most. Like all of the like the his past and the way the the rise of the family, the all of that like keeps me like so like the antics, I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah. But, like, that would just make it a background show for me. Where yes. it's just like, oh, yeah. But, like, the story there and the way they're laying that out is so interesting to me. Well, um, and, and I, I was going to throw something at you. Do you feel like do you feel like Danny McBride and the crew of writers and directors understand that? And that's what they're doing? Like, they've heavily leaned into into that, especially in season two. Um, and now with like, it feels like they're laying the groundwork, right? Like it's going, like, it's it like, they, like they do the Nolan thing where they play in two timelines. Yeah. Um, and, uh, like, but yeah, they, treat I, I that with, they for sure have started to understand it. Okay. Yeah. Because like the, this season, it, it's been interesting to watch because, um, like half a season okay. two was them, was about them. Uh, getting the money for that uh, uh, Oh uh, uh, Zion's Landing Zion's yeah. Landing yeah. And it, is, it has been Like barely mentioned this season Like yeah, it's well, come like, up A couple of times Yeah it came up at the beginning with the whole thing Of the firing of that dude that, that um, <laughs> <laughs> Like um, that was pretty funny. And then also, um, like, you know, um, Uncle Baby Billy has uh, been resigned, re- relegated to um, <laughs> relegated to, to, to the hotel singing, even though he's got his family feud. Uh, what was it? Baby Billy's Bible. Bible bunk- bonkers. <laughs> Bible bonkers. Jesus Christ. You say that a couple times. <laughs> Let that run around in your mouth. Like, Walton Goggins. Like, I don't even know. At this point, like. He's a national treasure. Like, he, like him as Uncle Baby Billy is like a thing of like beauty, like in a way that I can't even describe to people. Like how, if you're a Walton Goggins fan, how much it's mo- so much like Walton Goggins, but at the same time, so not. Um, it's like it's wild, right? Like, like all the stuff that they that he does, but he does with so much commitment. Like, there's just no. There's no break in the scenes. I feel like that's the way that it's approached in every performance in this series. Like, there's no winking, right? Like, nobody winks in this show. Nobody goes, ah, huh? Like, even Eric Andre, who I know people hate, right? They hate Eric Andre. I go back, Uh, like, I I think he's fine in things, mm -hmm. but, like, maybe, like, the, the personal stuff, like the pranky stuff and, like, that that I'm just like not a fan of, but yeah. like when I see him in things, I'm like, oh yeah, he's pretty good. Um, like it, and it's it's interesting because it's like everybody plays a type. Like the the one the one act like the person that's gotten the most like the rise, um, is Edie Patterson, uh, who plays Judy. Yeah, like who started off as a joke, right? Like. Like, it's weird how she started off as a weirdo joke, like the Danny McBride, the female Danny McBride of the series, and how she's, of her and her husband have evolved into this, fuck, dude, like that. Okay, so the thing, the component I feel like nobody talks about is how much 
anxiety this thing can produce if you're watching it week to week. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. his whole fight, like her, 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 like um, her. Uh, Jesus Christ, I can't even think of it. her husband's like fight and the way that it went down. Like that is some of the most tense, like yeah. five minute section of a of a TV show that I've seen in a long time. Like, but it's funny, but it's not. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's weird how they're playing with. Do you feel like it's so weird how they play with the tone and how they approach things in a way that I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen something like this, like in the way that it handles those kinds of scenes. Am I wrong in that? No, I don't, I don't think so. Not at all. Um, um, I wish he wasn't such a like pushover for so long, but yeah like getting the to the point where we got to with him this season and um you know kind of like trying to actually fight back take control of his life and shut you know the abuse down um i appreciated um mm-hmm. that dude's really really good at playing that part yeah but it's such a a lot of this is like it's like difficult to watch cuz it just it it's not like doesn't get too cringy it like gets to cringy and then like rolls around in it <laughs> you know oh yeah like it takes that it, it takes that cr- like there are moments where you're laughing and then it instantly stops like yeah. it stops like it stops not even on an e-break it stops instantly so you go flying into the wall of cringe yeah. um a lot like like you go, you sit there and you go, what? But I feel like it, it's weird because it, there's purpose to it, right? Like, like it's, it's not, it's not like, oh, like, okay. So like, a, like I've told friends that it's the most Cohen brothers-esque show or like thing that I've ever seen that feels not, not like they're copying the Coens, but they were inspired by the Coen brothers and they just were like, we're going to do some shit yeah. and we're going to fuck around and find out. And it's like, I'm going to make something that's like the Coen brothers, but it's not going to be like the Coen brothers, but it's going to be like the Coen brothers. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's why you cast John Goodman, right? Like you get that kind of flavor and especially with the dialogue, like the dialogue is so complex in a way that I don't feel like people like, you like it's weird because I feel like this show is promoted like oh well West Coast elites have made a have made a, a movie a show about the South and uh, and Southern mega churches, but then when you watch it, it's not like that. It's not. It's like it's Danny McBride. Like you know this is a Danny McBride thing. This is, you know this is David Gordon Green thing because there's this level of complexity that only they understand, right? Like they understand like. From somebody from being from the South can understand these tropes and these things and bring a comedy to it that is both respectful, but also winking at how crazy all this shit is. Yeah. Or am I wrong as as a no, boy I, not looking into it? No, I I, I think you're you're pretty I'm you're pretty much right. Uh I I, I don't think there's anything I mean, there's clearly poking fun, but like 
they get so much of the things right. Like the the storyline with the the family, with the the sides of the family, and uh, Eli's sister and um, <laughs> her husband, and all of that shit. Like, you know, like they're bad but like also they're right about the gemstones like yeah they do such a good job of kind of walking that line um it, it's i'm glad we're getting another season although i of course with the strike I, it's gonna be gonna be a while longer wait before we get season four um but yep. i'm glad hbo's committing to it um i i want to ask you about another show before i know sure. you gotta go um curious if you had a chance to watch it because i feel like you told me you were kind of excited to see it i was a little disappointed to see they dropped all the episodes at once um but i got i got to watch the first episode of twisted metal i did not um because i was behind on uh gemstones so last night i watched uh five six and seven uh for gemstones so i it, it came at the expense and then like secret invasion was so depressing i just wanted to go i wanted to go to sleep like literally i wanted to watch something nice and go to sleep so i didn't get to see it now what did you think of the first show uh, the first episode <sighs> oh mackie might be the most underutilized fucking person in the mcu i okay. cannot wait to see what this Captain America movie is. Yes. Because holy shit is this guy. Like, I know he's charismatic, but mm -hmm. it's easy to forget because he's been playing second fiddle to people for the last decade or so. But mm. Interesting. he's okay. so good. The show makes no fucking sense. It is the plot of the video game, which is insane. It's insane that anybody in 2020 anything was like, mm -hmm. should do Twisted Metal because it hasn't been relevant in decades. <laughs> decades. Literally since the PS3. Like, like that's two PSs. That's like literally 30, like 25 plus years or 20 years. Jesus Christ. And it's good. Like, Okay, so question for you, like, it's because I'm very so, okay. It's <laughs> okay. So it's question so for ridiculous, you. How, but it's so good. How good is the how good is the car smashing? The the actual <laughs> twisted right man. Oh it's man, this so me... good. Like oh, it may it made me want to pick up the controller and play the game, but I mean they do shit you can't do in the, the so. It it has a um uh what's the the Woody Harrelson zombie movie? Uh, oh um uh Zombieland. Yeah, Zombieland. It okay. it has a Zombieland feel to it where it's like okay. very tongue in cheek, breaking the fourth wall, like mm -hmm. all of that stuff. And um the, the so Anthony Mackie's like talking to the camera all the time. Ah, it's a very fast kind of thing. Yeah. But in in just such a fun way, like you, something will happen, and he's like, "These motherfuckers right here, um, like that <laughs> off, man, uh, just stuff like that." Um, there's a great scene where he's driving, 
and somebody just uh-huh. out of nowhere jumps on the roof of his car and is is trying to you know, get to him and okay. he flips the switch and this gun comes up like you the, when the gun comes up it's like oh it's gonna shoot him in the head or something off the car no the gun comes up right behind the dude in between his legs and just eviscerates <laughs> <laughs> the middle of his, oh, it's yes. so wild and uh, like it, it might take a sharp decline okay. but I I don't know. It it just seems so much fun. It it, it is it's it, it's a lot like uh Last of Us because it's okay. dystopian and but where Last of Us was like it's such a serious thing. This goes the whole opposite way where it's just like I don't know, man. There's no rules. It doesn't really have to make any sense. We're just having fun. And it it just is so freaking. I just I really really liked it. Thomas Hayden Church gets to be like just kind of a a, a badass, and I feel like we haven't oh. got to see him be a badass in a while. Um, yeah, no, it, it's it's been a while, and that's kind of nice. Like, oh wow, I'm I'm, I'm excited. Like, I'm. Like I you really think that. you're gonna dig it, man. Like, <sighs> I want I, I want to just binge it, but like I also want to kind of take my time and enjoy it because I really did dig the first episode. And while I didn't hate Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and I I understand why it was, a, why it had the problems it had because of COVID and all that stuff. It just made me just I was just like. I so lamented the show that we could have had because yeah. Aki is just so much fun. He really, he really is like, like he is one of the, like when he's, when he's given the right stuff, like, like he's like, there's nobody better in the business because he's so like charismatic and you're so drawn to like, like his performances and stuff. It's, there's a reason why, like, Winter Soldier to me, like, like is like we've talked about this before. It's it's one of the best. It's it's one of the best MCU movies, if if not the best, in my opinion, because like, it's just it, it's a self-contained story. It works in every way, and I feel like the three leads are perfectly balanced, right? And Mackie as Falcon is so good because he matches ounce for ounce what chris evans does like mackie and and evans like there's this like there's always like this weird thing where you get a best friend in a show in a movie yeah where it feels lesser but like mackie and evans there's this like symbiotic like we didn't get enough of it like i wanted four more captain america movies where they're friends and we're seeing them bro down and be buddies um because they're so good together, like they're equals, right? They look at each other and they see themselves as equals. And that's a hard thing to pull off. And I feel like um, Mackie makes that work because he's just as much of a fucking star as, as Evans. If not, and I know this is going to be fucking controversial to people, a better, a, a bigger star than Evans. Because Evans outside of Captain America, I've had trouble with. Mackie is always the last thing I find is a problem in a movie 
that I see him in. Like that, yeah. that, that David Harbour ghost movie, he's probably one of the best parts of that movie because he's Mackie. Like I, it, the, the, this is this is him doing that, but he's mm-hmm. a star. Like it, I feel like it's not, and maybe, maybe we've never really gotten it. It's always him pl- playing his this charismatic thing that he does, but mm-hmm. he's always been second fiddle to somebody. Like he, like yeah. Will Steele, he's just playing second fiddle to Hugh Jackman. You yep. know. He's great in it. He's fun, but like Hugh Jackman's the star, you know. Absolutely. And here, that's not the case. He's the star. Like it's his show, and it, like he's just having so much fun. I, I really, really think you're gonna dig it. I'm excited for you to watch it. So. Oh man. Um. How? Like, did Stephanie Beatrice show up in the first episode, or is she not in the first episode? Uh, she's in a little bit of the first episode. Okay. I did okay. not know that. Um. Uh, what's her name was in the show either. Uh, from Scream. Uh. Damn it, Sydney um, from Scream. <laughs> oh, uh, Nev Campbell. She's yeah, actually. Nev- oh yeah, she is. Okay. And oh wow, she's great. <laughs> oh man, that's nice. Like I, I like seeing that. Like you know, I like like realizing that people are not. Um, and you why it feels like. Um, I, I love the fact that she's in it, and I, I didn't know. And now that she is, I'm kind of like, oh fuck, I I really need to see this. So, like if they're if they're casting like this, but you know why it feels like Zombieland is because it's written and developed by a ret recent Paul Winnick who wrote Zombieland, among other oh, things. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So, I guarantee you that's like how they pitched it, and you know that's not a bad thing. Like I don't mind when like style. Like a, a style of another movie kind of meets another kind of entity as long as it's done well, right? And if this is done well, like, like it, there's, I want, like, if I, if you give me a twisted metal show, that's kind of like what you're describing is exactly what I want, right? Like, I want something that's wild, as wild as the TV, uh, as the video game, but inversely done for TV or movies, right? Like, you can't yeah. do it, the same no, thing. No, no deep dive no like we get we've got to have uh pathos and we got to explain everything like literally it opens with like hey at some part in the the 21st century this happens they walled off the cities and and, like he explains it in like three minutes and and he's like and this is my job i'm i'm a milkman i pick up stuff here and i take it here these people want it they're trying to stop me and take it from me and this is what i do and like and it's just go like that that's all it is there's no like nice. three episodes of why he's a milkman <laughs> why that's the city's great. walled off and like no nope, no 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 it's like this is all about the craziness and the cars and the guns and the explosions and the like the just the zany humor and like it just it leans so into it that like it, it's it's strange how well they they got like they just nailed it man and again it might take a sharp decline it could just lose all of the goodwill the first episode built up but i don't know man <laughs> like it, okay. 
I'm All excited right. to watch the rest of it. So I'm I'm might I might finish it this weekend. I don't know. We'll see. Oh shit. Okay. Well, I will definitely I, I will definitely I'm definitely checking it out. Like I, I was gonna check it out before, but I'm I'm definitely it's gonna be at least one to two episodes. Um so yeah, no, I'm actually very, very excited now. But you've said that and you've confirmed what I hoped was the case, which was it's a lot of fun because that's all I want. Like, I don't care if it's if it's like you, like you said, pathos and emotions and bullshit like that. Yeah, no, no this no. kind of thing. Yeah. With this kind of thing, you just want it to be great. Like you just want it to be a fun time. I'm, I'm telling that's, you and my adventures with Superman, too. Like if you if you can it's, squeeze it's that in somewhere list. like. No, I. I it's definitely on my list because you've told me um, like it is on my list. So I will be getting to that shortly so that we can actually have a conversation about it. Speaking of Jack Quaid, he's, he's mm-hmm. Clark Kent in that. So. Oh shit. Okay. Damn. Yeah. Dude's just doing everything, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's, uh, what we've been watching mostly Oppenheimer. Um, yeah. I've, I don't think I'm going to see anything for a while. Okay. All right. Um, um, I don't know. Haunted Mansion? I was about uh, to Ninja say. Turtles. Bro, Ninja Turtles. Or you're yeah, not going to go see Ninja Turtles? I, no, I forgot about that. I am. That's the next thing I'm going to see. But that's probably it for a while. Um, I okay. don't know when I'm seeing Ninja Turtles. Because I, okay. I have a, a, a semi-promise to Ezra. Uh, that we're going to go. Ah. Um, okay. But his schedule is is pretty tight because school starting soon yeah school starting yep. so i don't know when i'm seeing it if it if it gets put off too far i'll probably just go and then he and i can go see it okay. i'm sure i'll enjoy it and i'll see it again so um so yeah that ninja turtles in a, is in a couple of weeks i'm definitely not seeing anything this week no it's, uh, it's next week it's next week bro is August second, yeah, August second. Why did I think it was like the eighth? I have no idea. I think there's something oh, else okay. on the eighth. Uh, so it's yeah. Uh, I don't know. I might have to get with them. Maybe, maybe I maybe we can go see it Friday night. So okay, if you can't, you can't. I mean, like it's it. To be honest, I mean, like we're we're in the doldrums of summer, so like we know we both know that this is not something that is necessarily has to get the first week. Um. Yeah. You know, so and plus with with your schedule and stuff, like I, I mean, we know, like, come on, like, 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 well, like, I think that if we have a discussion, I mean, we've always had discussions about things off time limits. I mean, Oppenheimer, like last week, we didn't talk about it, and we talked about it now. I mean, it's all good, like, you know, I at least I feel like it. Um, so we can approach it however we want to, but if you don't get to it, you don't get to it. Like, you know, yeah. I'm. I'm okay with that. There's so like so much there stuff. Is, yeah, there's so much stuff that we Harley Quinn is back. <laughs> yeah, seriously, like there was a four episode premiere. Um, I didn't even get to it. So you know, um, so like there's a shit ton of stuff that we can talk about. And guess what, guys? You know what time of year it is, right? Get a bit fucking prepared for Adam and Logan's sports podcast show because it's coming back because fucking yeah. football is football. starting soon 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 but Fo- actually football is already starting um the football preseason has already started people are at camps aaron Rodgers acting like an idiot um already um <laughs> uh you know i mean 
as you guys know, I'm a Green Bay fan, and he's betrayed us to the, the New York Giants. Or, the, no, the Jets. Even worse. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, you oh, thought that Good Opens is back, too. I for- yes, it is. God. Like, there's a there's a ton of stuff that's back. So, we've got a lot to talk about, guys, but it may not be movie-centric. It may be more along the lines of TV shows and, um, and streaming content, uh, especially because as the strike has gone on, we're already starting to hear rumors of movies mo- moving um including we didn't even talk about it man i don't think aquaman exists brother i honestly don't yeah because it sounds like it's going to get delayed to summer 2024 because they they need to shoot more footage (laughs) (laughs) because now they need the new bad doesn't work (laughs) anyway maybe they should just go back to the amber heard ending (laughs) yeah yeah Um. um so yeah, go check out everything else we're doing over at xwingfiles.com, uh, which is a little quiet right now, but it's picking back up. Um, and then go check out uh, everything Adam's doing, uh, which again, my writing should be picking back up soon um, right. over at themovieisle.com. Yes, I've taken a little break because work has interceded and work comes before play. So we haven't had anything post this week, but I guarantee you guys, I've got some more content coming up. Um uh, for you guys, uh, lots of good things that I'm going to be reviewing on Blu-ray and 4K. Uh, and uh, yeah, just go check it out, uh, themovieisle.com. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking turtles next time we talk. So we'll see you guys soon. See you guys soon. Cowabunga. <laughs> <laughs> Me now. Merge ruin everything.